All right, what is up, my brothers? Uh, episode number 15 of the Playing to Win series. And I am joined today by my good friend, Curtis Moe. Uh, he cooked up this idea the other day saying, why haven't you been interviewed on your own show yet and uh, offered to do it? So here we are. Um, you've got a list of questions that you're going to chuck at me and let's yep. just hop straight into it, man. Curtis, take it away. Sounds good. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Rich. Um, this this really came from, I don't know if I want to start with the question that sparked the idea, but I was just thinking of what, you know, you've been writing this book for a while and and most authors like you know the the, the first book is is the pivotal one um either you know, whatever it produces or what it whatever it changes in them that process so how has it been for you going through this process taking on an endeavor you know i don't think you've you know, done a writing of this um magnitude before so just you know what's been the the lessons in in that this is the um third book that i've done actually i did two before they're on amazon you can find them um, but they're just, you know, get out of debt yourself sort of books. Um, yeah. something to throw a monkey wrench into the Dave Ramsey, um, you know, rule book, but, um, I'm not an author. <laughs> I'm not a very good author. I'll, <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, this has taken a lot longer than I thought. I, I was actually doing some of the writing today. Um, and I went looking for a chapter, which I thought that I had already written and I didn't. And it was actually like the catalyst that wanted me to get started on putting all the thoughts down in the book. So I could kind of like distill it all and just put it out for people to have. Yeah. So I started writing a chapter that I thought that I already done, but I've got about 25 chapters and I'm going to probably stop at 20. I don't know if I'll do like a volume two after it, or maybe I'll just, you know, throw them out on my email list, but it's interesting. I don't really like it. If I'm being honest with you, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm great at it and I really yeah. prefer to do things that I'm great at. Um, I feel like I'm good when I can put uh, thoughts together. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how people receive it. But my intention is really just to take all of these conversations, some of the experiences, some of the experiences from the coaching, and really just kind of put it together in about 20 different chapters on the biggest lessons that I think guys should really get their head around as they're kind of navigating life, just so they don't screw it up. Because it's a lot easier. It's a lot cheaper and easier to learn from somebody else's mistakes than to make the same mistakes that I and others have made that I've basically put in the book. Yeah, that's so true. It, it's, but sometimes don't you think it's like, it, they can hear people can hear the same thing, but it's when it gets that, that clicking point for them, or even though they may have heard it 30 other times from a handful of different sources. I think um, sometimes some when it comes to a lot of the stuff that guys goof up on, Unfortunately, we need to we need to hear it more than five or ten times. It's almost like somebody's got to grab you and pin you up against a wall and you know just just shake the crap out of you and let you have it and tell you how it's supposed to be. But um, yeah, guys don't guys don't really like to hear the uh, uncomfortable truths, man. They really like the comforting lies we've been force fed our entire lives. It's a fact. Is my audio or is my video okay? Because everything looks frozen to me, but your audio is coming through just fine. You're a little bit grainy, but um, okay. how does he sound? Just in the chat, guys. You know, let me know if you can hear Curtis okay, or if he needs to up his level or down his level. But I can hear you fine. You're just a little bit grainy. That's all. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Um, that 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 takes me to another one of the questions I was thinking of. What do you think? You know, you know right now everyone's focused on you know, what's, what's the next best investment that's going to pop? Um, what do I need to look out for there? Or, you know, they, they want to become, you know, because they're hearing about gold now, they want to figure out what, what's up with gold. What, what are guys missing right now 
when they're getting hyper-focused on these little shiny objects. Well, it's not for everybody, but I think that your best ROI as far as a shiny object should be you. You know, it kind of goes back to the mental point of origin thing and you should put your time, efforts and energy within yourself. I always get this question, like I got $250, I got $2,000, I got $5,000, what should I invest it in, right? Yeah. And it's like, I never answer that question because it's always the same answer. It's, it's you should really invest it in yourself. Your, your best ROI is going to be starting up a business, but it's not for everybody. Not everybody has the gumption to do it. Not everybody, you know, is willing to fall down nine times and get back up 10th to be the successful um, guy to have a story to tell. But um, I don't I don't particularly like giving out investment advice because I don't feel like I'm great at it. Um, I've made some money in the market. Like my strategy really is just to kind of follow the trends and take advantage of them because yeah. there's times where you should be strong. Like right now, I'm probably 85% cash, right? Like I've basically gotten rid of all my positions in the last three or four months and I've made some money on the way out. So I did pretty good, but um, I'm well diversified gold, you know, like metals, Bitcoin, you know, stocks. I've got uh, private equity loans out and personal and retirement portfolios. I got real estate deals. So um, you just want to get out in as many different places as possible and not get tied into one industry because, you know, you can become really vulnerable. I always, you know, talk to you guys about anti-fragility and, and trying to get into the 1% and really be, yeah. you know, being a top shelf man. So you got to start somewhere and kind of get your head around it. But at some point you want to be able to be in a position where something like coronavirus hits and you can't work for months or you don't have a source of income or it dries up or something like that. And you're not really, hopefully not hurting by the end of it. If anything, you should be better by the end of it. If you've done, done a good job at it. Yeah. You bring up an interesting point. Uh, I just heard this term today uh, on another podcast called uh, jurisdictional diversification. So we, we talk a lot about the asset diversification, be in real estate, be in the stock market, have some gold, have some Bitcoin. Um, and this is sort of more, more goes in line with the, with the Caleb Jones uh, five flags model. What do you think about that? Where, you know, having like the one business in one country, your residency here. Um, and I forget the whole site. Yeah. The, like he, he, you know, he kind of goes a little bit more on the extreme side of uh, diversifying and it's not, it's not a bad thing. It's going to be better for you, you know, in the long haul. But I always look at the risk assessment. It's like, you know, is the juice worth the squeeze? So the amount of work I'm going to put into, you know, structuring the businesses and getting the passports and maybe buying real estate if I have to. And the other thing is I'm not particularly mobile right now because I've still got shared custody, you know, for the next uh, whatever it is, nine or ten more years. Um, so I don't really have the ability to maneuver as easily as somebody like Caleb does because his kids are all grown up. But um, probably looking at something like that when I've got the maneuverability, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and and I think it's it's one of those things where, I mean, if it's you know a guy right out of college just tending bar with five hundred bucks in savings, it just doesn't even make sense to think about the complexity of that operation. Make some money, get you know, get some assets first before hundred percent jumping into anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, when you first read the mail, like what, what was, what was the, what concept shocked you most, um, or just hit you in that press, press the face of the that? Say that again. Cause you broke up for a bit. One second there. 
when you when you first read the rational mail, what was the concept? Uh, you know, one principle, a red pill principle that you know really was the, the one that just shocked you the most, um, or was? I don't think there was one man. It was just like my all that across the face. Yeah, like there wasn't one. It was just like my, um, you know, my entire understanding. You know, how can I put it? You ever. You ever sit out in the dark and you like whip out like a lighter and you spark it up and it's like, oh, you know, you can see a little bit and then somebody hands you like a flashlight and it's one of those LED xenon daylight mofos that can like light up an entire neighborhood. That was that was basically what it was like after reading the book. It's like, holy crap, this is this is really lighting a brand new path and we're going to have to go down this rabbit hole a little bit more because it was uh, dude, it's like so weird because people don't really get the impact that, 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 that book, like that collection of essays that Rolo's put together from his own experiences and his collaborations from other people. I think it's one of the most useful books that guys can read. And there's a lot of people that give him a lot of flack for it still. And I really don't know why, but um, you know, it's, it's got some different ideas in it and they're all very, very useful to men. Like I still say this all the time, but it's, it, it's pretty much the groundwork that I build most of my, concepts and and videos on especially when it comes to the sexual marketplace and attraction and arousal desire and all that sort of stuff i mean i sometimes get criticized for it, like oh you're just ripping off rollo's work and blah 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 it's like no even rollo will tell you that's not true but um yeah it's a big eye opener like it's a big long deep rabbit hole and i know like we've talked about this uh, privately many many times you know we've you know we've had drinks and chats over this quite a few times but what do you, like? What was your big takeaway on it? I'm curious what your perspective was, if there was one thing. I, I, I think, I think it was the. It, it's sort of the what you. What your observations told you about um, female nature. Confirming them. Which is yeah, which is what you knew, and then it's just sort of the, the words coming to that. I think that was it, and it was just like, wow. And then, and then another thing is just sort of, you know, when you're reading the book in front of you, then you realize, holy crap, there's other people who think exactly like, you know, have, have the thoughts I've had or have mm-hmm. gone through the stuff I had. Um, yeah, it, it's got to be that, just understanding the nature and sort of, sort of, it's almost like removing the mystery of it. Um, yeah, it's like, or, it's like or, you wear glasses, you know, it's like putting on your yeah. glasses and you're like, oh shit, I can see now. Yeah, I was yeah. just thinking of the the Nick Cage National Treasure movie where he's got these glasses and then he puts this one lens down and then it shows all this 3D stuff on whatever map they were looking at to, to what whatever they were looking for. But it was like that, you know. Yeah. Um, best advice you could have given yourself in your twenties, thirties. Twenties and thirties. Okay, best advice I could have given myself in my twenties. Stop putting women first. Um, stop chasing tails. Stop making them such a big priority. Like I've said this before, that um, you know, guys act like women are the prize, and they'll put them up on a pedestal. But the truth of the matter is, is highly competent, successful, masculine, you know, alpha men that are in the top one percent are the prize. You know, the reality is. Your best ROI and your time invested 
in your 20s is going to be on yourself. You should never get into an LTR. And it's really hard for guys because their entire lives, like, you know, leading right up to their 20s, all we saw was movies, media, Hollywood, everything school taught us, yeah. everything that, you know, we saw in magazines and it was all chase tail. You'll get the pretty girl sort of thing, right? You always kind of wanted yeah. to have the have the hot girl off your arm. And you're a dude, like you're a healthy guy with, you know, strong levels of testosterone. You know, you want to bang, you want to have fun with life. And you make it a priority. But if I could have a conversation with my 20, 20 year old self, I'd, I'd, I'd certainly have that conversation. Yeah. And then as far as 30, fuck, um, don't get married. Just <laughs> never, yeah. ne never live in a way that allows the state to decide what happens to your money and your access to your kids. So you can call that marriage or whatever you want, but don't live in that yeah. way. Um, do, do you think so without, without red pill knowledge though, I mean, do you, giving, giving yourself, unless it's like back to the future and you are appearing before your former self and you're like, look, dude, don't do this. But in any other situation where you had that advice, it's almost like we're, you know, we just had to go through it and get burned before that advice would actually you know, make any sense. Yeah, I know, but it's an expensive lesson, right? I mean, yeah. we've we've all lived it. I know a lot of the brothers in the 1%, we all share our own war stories and struggles along the way and the shit that keeps up, you know, keep us keeps us up at night. And I bet every one of those guys, I mean, like I know I would. Um, you know, I can't speak for them, but I know that I would. I would have loved to um You know what? If I'm being honest, if I could go back to my teens, I think that that's the time when men boys you know boys becoming men yeah 100%. need need to learn the lessons on things like you know competency making bank you know becoming strong learning combat sports skills you know problem solving skills like a lot of the stuff that happens in school um you know the schools here in canada anyway they don't really structure the programs and the education system to uh facilitate success and you know, great results for boys. I mean, I was not a, a good student. I was a terrible student. I mean, if I pulled up my Same. report card, probably a C average student. I think I got like an A once in math just because my parents were shitting on me so much. I'm like, fuck, fine. I'll just go study and get this done so I can get them yeah. off my back. But um, yeah, the way they teach school, I was, I was very bored. I didn't feel challenged. And I was at many times just sitting there going, all right, fine. You know, I'll sit here and listen to this, but how am I really going to use this in real life? Um, many, many times, dude. Right. But yeah. Yeah. I'm same. Exact same C student. Um, let's see. All right. Here's, here's one from one of the guys in the group. What's, what's your method for large impacting decisions in business? Do you go with your gut or do you, do you have a method that you, that you go through? I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, um, preparing and researching and then taking all that and then just kind of going with my gut. And I use that for all choices now. I mean, I'll give you a good example. I was talking to this guy yesterday. He's out in the West coast and he's got a very limited edition, uh, R8. There's only eight in Canada. And, um, you know, talked to me, gave me a walk around the car, like on a video call. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I was looking at all the specs and what it has. I'm like, you know, this could be, you know, potentially a decent buy, but 
I kind of sat it on my gut for like a day because I was going to call in to get like a PPI set up, a pre-purchase inspection to get it trailered over to a, a dealership and have them inspect it. And if it's good, you know, do the purchase. But mm-hmm. um, I just, I just didn't feel it, man. So I was like, done. So for me, like the gut trumps everything at the end of it now, which is really tuned in my intuition. But my gut usually arrives at its conclusion based on the time that I spend researching the idea and the concept of what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I go against my gut, I'm, I'm pretty much always wrong or that's what I've noticed anyway. But, and, and, but going into it, have the most informed gut you possibly have. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, I got chat questions popping up in here guys. I'll get your super chats in a second. I'll just throw them up on a screen when Curtis is kind of between his stuff. Um, what is it? Let's see. Ooh, here's, I don't know. I, I almost didn't want to ask this one, maybe too personal, but I'm going to, I'm going to change it a little bit. Do you still, do you still find yourself dealing with any wounds from the past, whether it's parents or past relationships still coming up and things you maybe have to just mentally battle once in a while? Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you? You're like, I'm 46 and I really didn't start to, adapt and and change my thinking um like thinking differently for me like significantly differently really only happened about three or four years ago whenever i started this kind of stuff when i was broadcasting live on the channel but um you know if you've been running on software for 42 or 43 years or something like that and all of a sudden you update the software and you give it the new version you're gonna have some bugs in there you gotta work out still um that's the way that I like to look at it anyway. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's always moments where you're like, you're about to do something. You're like, Oh, I'm glad I caught myself because that might not have worked out or it may not have served me or, you know, anything. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a, um, you know, it's a constant reminder of, um, who you're trying to become when you catch yourself. Cause at least you're catching yourself. Right. And you're course correcting. Yeah, and I think it's uh it's a testament to it's it's definitely a journey. Like, yeah. Like, and always- by the way, like I know you got a list of questions from all the guys in the community, but just ask anything, man. I mean, if it's too personal, then I'll just say, hold on, we'll leave that one for the community only and I'll answer it on the, the page. Gotcha. Um but you see the guy, you know, every, every once in a while I'll post, uh, you know, when when have I reached red pill or is this red pill? And it's kind of like, man, yeah. I, I like to respond with, you know, once you're six feet under, you know, because you can have those moments where, you know, you do slip back and that can you just always got to be in your guard because that can become the starting point to just going back to uh, being a beta. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of beliefs that, that you need to change when you um, intentionally work on becoming better than what you were yesterday, last week, last year sort of thing. So yeah, you have to, you have to course correct, you know, when they fire a missile and it's got a, a target, it's got a hit, it's going to deal with wind, gravity, rotation of the earth. It's going to deal with all kinds of variables that are going to try to throw it off course. It's got to, it's got to be able to course correct to hit the target. So as long as you got the target in mind, you should be able to course correct along the way to bring yourself back on the path. That's where a lot of guys go wrong because you don't even have the self-awareness of what the target is or where they're going, right? When you know what the target is, when you realize, okay, I'm going this way and I need to go this way, then you course correct and you adjust to go over there. A lot of guys just kind of Um, sleepwalk through life. They don't really pay attention to that. 
that's so true that's so true i love one of one of sam harris saying is is to paraphrase it it's something like this you you can go from one thought to the next and from one reaction emotional reaction to the next through your entire life and completely miss life yeah I think that, that's yeah nothing more to add to that hey curse i'm gonna throw this uh, uh super chat on here real quick just to yeah. grab neo uh thanks for that dude uh, the money that thirsty guys pay women on cam girls only fans could be used that same money on self-employment books, coaching to learn, actually hook up with these types. Yeah, totally dude. It's good. It's a good point. Like you see a lot of these guys throwing all kinds of money and attention at women and it's yeah. brutal, man. It's pathetic. Sometimes like I share some of the posts on, on Twitter and it's just like, you know, there's guys buying women's pee for $10,000 or, um, there was this other guy that chimed in and he said that he knows this porn star that pays her accountant with jars of her pee. Like she doesn't give him money. And this accountant, this beta guy is, is doing all of this work in exchange for a jar of pee. If you can believe that. Um, it, it, it it's sad, happen. man. Like I can't believe, like I thought I, I was pathetic when I was younger. <laughs> like I thought I did some pretty stupid things, but there's guys out there buying jars of pee from women. So yeah. I don't feel so bad sometimes. It's it doesn't end well, man. It's things need to change. That's for sure. Um, which makes me um, there was a interesting post in in the group recently, and it was where I'll, I'll spare the name, but I, I think you know what I'm talking about. Where uh, where the guy, one of the the members, basically wanted all of us to to verbally kick his ass so he would stop choosing the same type of women that he keeps choosing mm. uh, and women that are, that, that are not good for him. He's in the waiting area right now, the, by the way. That, okay. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Um, um, so, I mean, let's go into that there. Obviously it, I think it's a thing where we're just throwing, you know, the usual, you know, red pill solutions. It, it might be something a little bit deeper than that. Well, what do you think? Um, well, it's really as simple as the, solutions that you discuss but the problem is is that for you to apply those solutions to the problem that you have you need to view the world differently you need to have different beliefs to apply those solutions to what you're doing um you can't you know it's like putting diesel fuel into a petrol powered car just it's not going to go well so you have to you have to do a bit of an overhaul and with that guy, I know he's in the waiting area. I'm, I'm not going to name him or, or talk about what he brought up because it's because it's private. But um, very, very successful in life and his career makes bank. Just makes some bad choices around women because of a belief system that hasn't served him. Because it's always beliefs, choices, results. Very similar. Very, very simple process. I sometimes get flack for it, but I don't know why. It's it's a very simple flow system, right? You believe something and then you make choices based on what your operating says, whatever your belief is. And then the results you get come from the choices that you make. It's very consistent. It's an easy flow. So all I do is I just deep go down, you know, beneath the surface and fix up their beliefs. And I got you, brother. I see you in a waiting area. You know, we're going to get you fixed up. <laughs> gotcha. Um, speaking of beliefs. This is an interesting one. So, so binary thinking is pretty rampant in the red pill, you know, um, it, it, everywhere, you know, mm -hmm. either it's everything or nothing. How do you, how do you avoid the trap with others? You know, what do you do for yourself when your own thought process 
tends to just Michael one way or the other. Um, my preference is actually very simple thinking, binary thinking, if you will. So it's one of the reasons why um, Aaron Cleary's book and Rolo's book um, really resonated yeah. with me when I first read them a few years ago. It's like, it's cut and dry, right? It's, it's, it's obvious and clear, right? You know, you can either make a good choice or a bad choice. You can have a spectrum. I mean, you can have 32 flavors like Baskin Robbins, right? Um, but, um, you, you know, things are a lot simpler when you narrow it down and not, not complicate your life. So that's the way that I like to try to do it. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm guilty of that, but I found that, I mean, at the end of the day, my results speak for themselves and I'm doing better now today than what I was five or 10 or 15 years ago. So I'm, yeah. I'm constantly working on improving that part of me. And if narrowing down options to two or three or a more binary system of making choices based on inputs works better, then I'll just stick with it, right? Like why complicate your life? Yeah, maybe, maybe I said it wrong in, in terms of when I think of, of that, I think of, uh, man, maybe it maybe it's just a, a bad question. I should skip it. Um, while you're thinking about rephrasing it, let me just throw this up real quick because um, got a super chat from yeah. Savvy BG. Thanks for that, dude. He says, you said in your 30s, no marriage. What about 40s? Still, uh, it still applies 100%, man. You do not live in a way that allows the state to decide what happens to your kids or your money. If you want to have kids, that's fine. But figure out a way to do it. And there, and there are ways to do it where you're going to reduce or eliminate the risk entirely. It's mostly a reduction of risk, not a full elimination because you always have a child's mother, uh, you know, who can unilaterally change your mind at any given time. But um, you want to walk into that risk. I think that you should assess it properly, but definitely not with the tag marriage where I live anyway. It would never happen again in my lifetime. It's just a, it's just a well really said. dumb way to live here. Um, here's a good one from uh, our buddy Paul. If you were wiped out overnight, all assets except your house and a vehicle, but all assets, um, all income streams, you're wiped out overnight, what would be your uh, first three actions? So if I was wiped out and I had nothing when I woke up in the morning, no income streams, no assets, just your house and a vehicle. Oh, that wouldn't be too bad. Um, start all over again, man. As long as I have a connection to the internet and I'm healthy, I'll be just fine. <laughs> um, it's very, very easy to recoup. I mean, I mean, if you're talking about me waking up in the morning with nothing, no roof over my head, no food, no electricity, no society. I'm just in the middle of a jungle. Somebody just dropped me in the middle of a jungle. It bonked me over the head and like, you know, put me out and just dropped me in the middle of a jungle. Then I, then I'd have a real problem. Then I'd have some serious like work to do there, but waking up in my house with all of my assets gone and just a house and a car. No problem. I'll sell the car and get a connection to the internet and everything will be fine in a short period of time. Yeah. I just start uh, flipping things uh, like Jeff Duhon, scale it up. Yeah, man. Um, that guy's a hustler. I like that. He is. He is. Um, the, along the along the business lines, there's a, another question. Guy having trouble uh, finding a niche in uh, digital marketing, and it, it, I think the question was really along the lines of how do you merge, you know, an interest 
in a hobby with with a you know you need that pain market so how do you merge those two and and maybe maybe he's asking how do i know that this interest will, will have a pain market for me i'm not sure i understand the question can you maybe phrase it again for me he was having trouble finding a niche for digital marketing consulting business mm -hmm. and the, the niche he was looking at was something that was an interest of him but he his question was more was around merging that interest with an actual paying market that sounds like a very complicated way to say how do i how do i make more money and get more customers <laughs> maybe yeah <laughs> uh, um that's my answer <laughs> That's not what he's looking for, but uh, you're complicating the way you're asking the question. So I'm not really sure how to answer that if I'm being honest. Hey, we're we're great at complicating things and making yeah. excuses. <laughs> Let um, me uh, grab the super chat here while you look yeah. for the next one. Dan says, uh, "What advice to give about determining the content of a book that's being written? Will be marketable or will it be picked up by a publisher?" I am not an author, so I'm not going to give you the best advice here. But my intuition, like my instinct, based on my very, 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 very limited experience. I do know a couple of authors, obviously. Um, if you're going to write a book, have an audience already. There's a lot of guys that I've talked to that are writing books or they have, they have finished writing a book and they have nobody to give it to. They have nobody to sell it to. Uh, I've got a huge audience on YouTube and social media. I have a private community of men. All of you guys, by the way, in my community are going to get a copy of the book for free. You're going to get a, a PDF that's going to upload to the files tab. But um, you have to have an audience to sell it to them, right? You have to have an email list to market it to. Otherwise, you're going to upload it to uh, Amazon and you're going to get crickets. And I know because I've uploaded two books to Amazon around 2012 and 13. Uh, one was a do-it-yourself guide to get out of debt. Another one was more of like a, a pamphlet, which was more of an introductory to, uh, to debt consolidation loans. Um, and people don't really look for that on Amazon. And for you to get ranked, uh, you know, for your book, you have to have a strong launch. You have to get in your top five categories and sit there for a bit so that you can get some, excuse me, decent ratings and kind of pump it from there. But um, yeah, books like, there's only a few people I know that make decent money off publishing books. And when I say decent, like I'm talking 10 to $20,000 a month, right? I know, I know of a couple of people that make 40 to $50,000 a month um, on Amazon publishing books. And I don't know if they still do it, but I listened to a podcast at one time. I think we chatted about it even once, but there's a guy that James Altucher had on that basically puts out a book a month. And each book focuses on solving one problem, but he's got such a large audience and following now that every time he publishes it, it almost gets picked up by everybody. So, um, yeah, you can make some money off it as far as uh, putting it out, but I think you really want to have yourself an audience. So, you, like most people that write books that do well, that get good reach and get a lot of reviews, already have somebody to sell it to. All right, good question. Um... How's your day mapped out? Do you, do you, when you wake up every morning, do you already have it written down? Any tools that you use, like Wonderlist or? or um, you know? I use I use stuff like this for my video ideas. Like I have a, a system that I got from this guy, um, Patty something or other. I can't remember his name, but he uh, but he basically dissected the way that guys like Casey Neistat put out content and how they draw the storyline around it. So. 
I've got video ideas, you know, like written down here in my little uh, sheet for the storyline. I've got a, a stack of envelopes to open. I usually open my mail like once every two weeks that comes in. So there's bills to pay and taxes to deal with and stuff like that. And um, that's really it. Everything else is on my desk calendar. Like I still use a good old fashioned paper desk calendar, right? I mean, you can't see it, but it's, yeah. you know, one of those big ones you get from the dollar store. And that's what I yeah. use for that. Gotcha. But that's how I pretty much map out my week, right? Um, all right, this one's from uh, Shelby. Acceptable uh, nested in regards to playing to win. I don't know if he's looking for a percentage or an actual number. And along that same line, uh, he's asking if your risk tolerance has changed. Uh, your risk tolerance financially has changed over life. What was it like for the series? Yeah, you're, you're you're breaking up a little bit. You might want to kill your video feed and just run audio. I don't know if you got got that easily available to you on your. My my screen is frozen and has been since we started. So yeah, maybe just kill your video feed. See if I can. See if that works. See if the audio sounds better. Oh, hang on. You pulled yourself out. Okay, well. Um, Curtis, if you're still watching, just click the link and just join back in and I'll pop you back in the, uh, the stream. Um, so I think the question that he asked was about, um, getting the week planned. No, sorry. We dealt with the week planning. I'm going to have to try to improvise here. Actually, I know what I can do. I can pull up the question list. Oh, there he is. How's that? There we go. Yeah. I, it made me go out, but I killed the video. Hopefully that's better. Yeah, the audio sounds a lot better. Okay, so just repeat the question for me again. Oh, what was it? Oh, yeah. Um, this is from Shelby. Uh, acceptable nest egg in regards to playing to win. Mm. And then also, has your risk tolerance changed financially over, over your life? And what yeah, that's it? a good question. So acceptable nest eggs. Now, <laughs> I've I've seen people say that, well, all you need is a couple hundred grand and you can go and retire and somewhere in Southeast Asia and live like a king. Okay. Maybe. Uh, I don't know that you'd be living like a king. You might be able to retire and take care of all your basic needs. Um, but I don't think there's any acceptable minimum. I mean, it, it really depends on where you live. I mean, if you live in North America, if I were to give you an acceptable minimum, I'd say five to $10 million. I mean, minimum five. A couple million dollars really isn't that much. And North America, especially if you're 25 and you're going to retire or you're going to, you know, work for the next 40, 50 years of your life. Um, so it really depends on where you live. I mean, yeah, you can get away with less than other parts of the world, but if you want to live well, and I, I mean, my view is I want to be spoiled for choice. I don't want to skimp, scringe, you know, want something that I can't afford because I don't, I don't see anything other than the life that I have right now. So I've said this before, you know, if I die and there's a bonus round that comes after that, awesome. If not, at least I left, I lived the best life I did here and now. Um, so I definitely want to be able to do what I want when I want and work when I want and not work when I want and tell people to pound sand when I want to. So I'm going to say five to $10 million minimum. Gotcha. And I think, I, I think a lot of, unless you've, you've done the traveling and unless you've done the digital nomad life, you just don't know how you're going to react to it. So you can't really just, you know, predict that you're going to be okay living in Thailand once you retire for. You know, it, it, it's, 
it's not it's not good planning like it's really lazy and stupid planning to say that all you need to do is have two hundred thousand dollars and go and live in southeast asia because it's not a good way to plan your life in my view you're not going to live a great life i mean what happens if you have a medical emergency what happens if you get cancer what happens if you need half a million dollars you know instantly in the next you know, five days to take care of something, or there's a great investment opportunity. You can't get into it because all you have is peanuts on you. Right. Um, so I don't see it as a smart way to approach it, but yeah. Oh, here I got, yeah. um, I got, I got Bob here. So I'm going to pull him in. Let's do it. I'll let you ask the oh, question. Bobby, speak, speaking of Thailand. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Thailand, man, what's your view on retiring in Thailand on, on $200,000? What do you think? Cause I mean, like you're there right now. Yeah, I am. You can live like a king here for five grand a month. I mean, I'll be honest. I feel like it's free to live here. Everything yeah. is so cheap. Like, I feel like I've, I'm not exaggerating. I've probably spent 150 bucks tops on food since I've been here. And could I've you, been eating pretty good. Could you, could you go to Thailand at 40 with $200,000 USD and live there for the rest of your life like a king? Or are we talking like that Easy. money's going to run out in 10, 15, 20 years? Easy. You Easy. could. Yeah, the reason why is because a penny saved is a penny earned. I mean, mm. your your expenses would be reduced so severely. Like I said, it feels like you're living for free. So you could you could take all that cash and free up, paying the big bloated expenses here in the West, and just invest it and turn that two hundred grand into millions. All right, just because how cheap your cost of living would be. All right. Well, I'm not right about everything. I mean, Bob's got a good point there. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right, dude. So what's the question? Uh, throw it at me. Yeah, yeah, and then I'm gonna. I got my walking gear on, getting ready to head out for my morning walk. But uh, did you always, Rich, uh, like from childhood? Did you always know you'd be like a millionaire one day, or have you like unexpectedly yes. exceeded your? I knew, I knew, sitting at the bus stop when I was like 15 years old, waiting to take the bus to my part-time job at at White Rose, making 370 an hour or whatever the hell it was, um, that I was not going to be poor because my parents would always be like, you know, I don't have the money for that. Or we don't have the money for that. We can't afford that. And I remember the heat not being on that high in the wintertime and, you know, the house being like a sauna in the summertime. And there was times where I wanted to eat something and I wasn't allowed to, cause I had eaten my portion for the day. <laughs> I was a real skinny kid. Um, so yeah, like I didn't want to sit there and look at a hot car and see some other guy with a hot girl in a passenger seat driving by. And that wasn't me. I knew at like basically 15 when I was sitting there waiting to take the bus that I was not going to be poor when I was older. Okay. Yeah, we're very similar in that regard. I grew up on welfare in Detroit, and I used to always say, man, my poverty drove me into wealth, dude. Like, it's crazy living on both sides of like growing up on socialist welfare and then being a capitalist when you're an adult. It's kind of kind of a crazy ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're up next too, by the way, when you get back. Uh, we're going to throw you on playing to win. Absolutely, man. Cool, guys. Well, I'm going to head right, out man. for my See you, brother. All right, bye. See you, dude. Have a good walk. All right. Go ahead, bro. Next question. Let's see. Um... <laughs> Chuck. Chuck C. PUA techniques to, d- to date Vietnamese strippers in your 20s. He's kidding with that one. I know he's joking. I can see him laughing in the waiting area. He can't even yeah, hold the camera oh, yeah. straight. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see here. Oh, here's a good one uh, from Ben Gritman. Um, what does it mean to be relentless? And follow-up question is, what's the hardest, hardest business decision and personal decision you had to make? Yeah, what does it mean to be sure. relentless? 
Um, yep. I would normally say not giving up, but there's a time when you have to give up. Like there's a time and place to know that this is never going to go anywhere. Yeah. It's like beating a dead horse. Let's just stop doing this and do something else, right? Like you have to understand that, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. When you get to that point, that's when you have to quit. Aside from that, if you haven't gotten to that point, um, keep going, man. You know, a winner is just a loser that, you know, got back up one more time sort of thing. Um, there's a great book. I think it's Tim S. Grover is the author. And I believe the title is Relentless, if I'm not mistaken. That's a great book if you haven't read it. Or uh, hang on a sec. Let me let me dig it up while you look for the next question. But I'll tell you what the title of the book is. Uh, it is a must read. Yeah, it's actually uh, Relentless by Tim S. Grover. What's his, what's his background? Uh, actually, the... Um, I think the intro was written by Kobe Bryant because he was a uh, performance coach for uh, basketball teams. So he basically talks about all the stuff that athletes would have to do to um, achieve the level of success that they got to. Gotcha. Okay, okay, here's one. Um, You don't suffer fools, but do you ever have a day where you throw up your hands in frustration? And when you have those days... What's your coping? Uh, yeah, what's your coping tips? I think that when you start to understand that you can only control one part of the universe, and that's you, you can't control anybody else. You know, you can control your responses to inputs, but there's not much else that's within your control. Um, you're just a meat covered skeleton on a big rock flying around a burning ball of flames at a million miles an hour. (laughs) I can't remember what those lyrics were, but you get the point. But um, yeah, you just basically throw your hands up in the air. You have your hissy fit over it. Hopefully it lasts less than a second. And then you kind of get back to work and you get down to it, right? Um, You just don't sulk over it and, you know, complain or whine or go on social media and post uh, people and look for a, a pity party. You just get on with it, man. Yep. Um, what, uh, any, any business opportunities you see coming out of the current state of affairs? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a couple of people that were asking about, um, you know, post COVID and all that sort of stuff. Um, society dating, you know, business opportunities. Um, well, I think some of the, some of the largest, um, fortunes in history were made, um, out of chaos. I don't think that's, uh, disputable. So, there's a lot of opportunities out there. Um, you're going to see, I believe anyway, I put out an email to people that were on the list that, that, that got the red flag chapter. So I'm trying to remember what I wrote in that because it was over a month ago. But um, I think you're going to see a lot more people working from home. You're going to see a lot of companies not hire yeah. people back um, because they're going to realize that they don't, they don't really need them or yeah. you know, they can produce you know, sufficient levels of return for shareholders on whatever level of staffing they can. Um, they're probably going to encourage people to work from home. You're going to see a decline in commercial real estate uh, values big for time. sure. Yeah, um, I think I think commercial real estate is going to take a big hit. Uh, they're saying residential real estate is going to take about a 15 to 25% hit depending on where you're at. But commercial real estate will probably go quite a bit lower than that. Um, more at-home delivery services. 
Um, maybe there'll be a new Amazon that comes out of this. I doubt that they're going to be able to, you know, find somebody that can compete with something that big. Like it's it's essentially a monopoly. I was I was looking at a list of um, businesses, Curtis, that somebody posted on the one percent community the other day. Um, mm -hmm. I think the guy said, uh, "What do you think of Trump's new board of advisors?" And he listed all the uh, CEOs of all these American companies. And I, and I responded, I go, looks like a pretty good list of stocks to keep an eye on. And I created a watch list today on those stocks just to, you know, just see what they're up to. And there's, there's some pretty strong companies in that list, man, yeah. um, that are well positioned. So I think if anything, um, look for some good opportunities. You're going to find some good opportunities in real estate. You're going to find some good opportunities to start a business, to solve some big problems that are coming out of this. You're going to find uh, some good opportunities in the stock market to make some serious bank. Um, yeah, just look for the opportunities. I'm a, I'm a big opportunity buyer, man. Like I love, you know, like I love a good deal. I mean, everybody should learn to love a good deal anyway, but yeah, I mean, you look for those opportunities to make some bank, you make sure that you come out ahead and that's, that's really it for me. Yep. Yep. Provide, uh, you know, people are always going to need food, clothing and shelter. And yeah. I like taking care of the shelter piece. Yeah. The, like, um, Somebody said the other day, I think it was um, Amir on his uh, Facebook, but he said something about, you know, like basic uh, comfort dopamine hit things like coffee, you know, yeah. sugars, you know, like desserts, pies. Um, you know, you're always going to need a roof over your head. So multifamily residential is always good. Um, stuff like that. You know, utilities, people are always going to want their electricity on, obviously. Here's a, so when I first started, learn about real estate this is this is a quote that one of the one of the gurus i used to listen to would always say he say the biggest thing keeping people keeping most people from a great life is a good life yeah what does that mean to you um it's funny you mentioned that because i have an unlisted video on my total debt freedom channel with over a hundred thousand views why people stay in debt and it's because they think everything is just fine and then i told the story yeah. about scars as I was growing up. And I thought that everything was just fine until I realized that I needed to accept that there was a problem and I need to, you know, hit it, hit it face on sort of thing. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people live average lives because that's all they want. You know, you know, they just want to be fine. They just want to be taken care of. There's a lot of people out there right now that have been told, Go to school, get a degree, frame it mahogany, stick it on the wall, go make your $80,000 a year, pay your taxes, retire and get your gold watch and everything will be done. And that's still a narrative that's in some people's heads because that's fine. You know, it's 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 good enough for some people. But um, I don't know. I mean, you're going to get out of life. The, the Like the higher level of standard that you set for yourself, the better results you're going to get at the end of the day, right? So during, I think this is one of mine, during this time, um, have you reassessed your position on like uh, your, your, your fitness, your, your social life, your relationships, anything and reassessed them and, and made any adjustments? Uh, to I'm always making adjustments, dude. Like I make yeah. adjustments sometimes every day, um, but I make, I make sure that every era every era of my life is as optimized as possible. You know, we've, we've kind of brushed on the 1% man. And, um, this may even become the title of my book. I don't know. Um, but 
if you want to be top in your category for income and assets and self-care, um, purpose in life, like all of these things have minute little breakdowns. Like as far as, you know, like understanding women, you know, for example, like if you would put like women in one category, for example, yeah. you should be in the top 1% by only allowing a woman into your life if she compliments it. You know, she's not going to be the focus. You know, you understand female nature, like all of the lyrics that I bang on, you know, when it comes to self-care, right? You know, did you get out of the shower and can you look down and see your feet and your Johnson or do you have a big belly yeah. covering it up sort of thing, right? Like where are you at with self-care? You know, do you wake up with strong wood in the morning, right? Do you have any health issues that are that are lifestyle choice um, related, for example? So all of these things are within your control. So when you're when you're relentless about becoming better and uh, taking care of all those things, you'll you'll do what it takes. Now, not everybody has the luxury of that because they get themselves in a cycle of just being fine and relying on the government to take care of them, relying on their employer to take care of them with healthcare and benefits and retirement and top-ups. But I mean, you're going to have a pretty basic or an average life if that's if that's how you want to live it, which is fine. I mean, that's mm -hmm. that's your choice. But if you want to take greater control of it and get better results out of all those things, you got to take the reins in and control all that shit yourself, right? And you have to make adjustments along the way. Like I'm I'm in pretty good shape for a 46 year old man. Like I fucking work hard at self care. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy because you know, you're not 20 years old anymore. You don't have everything working perfectly on your body. You get cracks and you know, bad joints and shit. It's like, all right, well, joints are kind of sore. Let's see if we can get some DECA somewhere. And then you kind of add that to the TRT protocol. There's all kinds of things that, you know, you have to be attentive to if you're really going to make, um, everything, the way that you live as far as your health your wealth you know the women in your life like whatever it is that you're looking at top shelf right you know you have to be attentive to it 100 percent. real what sorry man yeah, real ahead. quick i'm just going to grab this super chat from jbl uh rich thanks for your coaching call last year just relocated from hong kong to washington dc when is the release of the book i wish i could remember who you were dude i talked to so many guys um i don't have Congrats a release date yeah, congrats on the move. I don't have a release date, but um, that is the um, link. So get on the email list if you're not on it. Uh, it's just entrepreneursincars.com forward slash red dash flags. And um, just get on that list. You'll get notified when the book's available. Um, even if I were to put it out now, I don't think I could even get it get it approved. I was uh, hearing Ryan do his update on his uh, published book and he's having a real hard time with Amazon because you know they're on minimal staff and people aren't there. So super hard to uh, get something out right now, but you're going to see it this year for sure. For sure. Probably, probably by the middle of the year. I mean, I wanted to get it out by uh, spring, but apparently the first chapter that I thought I wrote, I hadn't. So I'm starting with that one, but I think I've got about 15 done now. So we're almost there. We're about three quarters of the way there. Nice. All right. Uh, let's see. Conk, what a what crucial advice that you got from your father that helped you succeed? What advice did you get from your father that led you astray? What advice did my boss? Okay, so the best advice my dad ever gave me. <clears throat> um, this too shall pass. Um. And that applies for good times too. I mean, you can't expect when things are really sailing for you and 
you're firing on all cylinders and everything's working well, that, that that's going to last too. Um, you know, but, but your life's up and down, man. And like when you're down, just, just get back up. The worst thing that you can do when you're down is stay down. Um, that's a loser mindset. That's a quitter's mindset. Winners get back up. So life's going to kick you in the balls. <laughs> you know, women are going to kick you in the balls. Your boss is like, you're going to have life just kick you in the balls. I've, uh, I've had it happen with women many times. I had to sue my best friend after I knew him for 15 years because he pulled some horse shit on me. I've, I've had life kick me in the balls a lot of times. So it's just a part of that. You just have to get back up. Hey, so, so since, since the reach has expanded on the channel and you've had higher caliber guests and whatnot, and, and just the people you're in contact with, that quality has increased sort of since, since that pivot point, maybe since the, the channel started taking off, what has been, you know, who would you attribute some of the best advice you got from them? You know, what was that advice? Oh, sorry. Um, you had a follow-up question to the worst piece of advice I got from my dad too, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. The one that, uh, what, what advice led astray, led you astray? Or wasn't didn't work out. Well, my dad never stopped me from getting married. <laughs> you would have thought that he would have uh, paid a little more attention or voiced a louder opinion, but I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe it's just because I say what I feel now. But um, yeah, I don't hold him hold it against him. But whatever. What was that second question you had after that? That is a great question. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah oh, here it was so which one since um since your channels expanded and your reach has expanded and that's oh, yeah. gotten you in contact with higher caliber people since sort of that pivot point what has been some of the best advice you got um from people that i've talked to i'll i'll, I'll tell you who i really enjoy talking to on um one-on-ones um let me think here. Like conversations that stand out for me are like the one that I had the other week with my friend Brad Pedersen. You'd never find him. He like he's he's not even visible on social media. He doesn't care. Um, he's not looking for anybody's approval. Super successful guy. Very very humble. Very smart. Very resilient. Like this guy's been. I mean, go watch the episode of. If you haven't seen it, I think it's about three or four episodes back on the playing to win series. I got a lot of friends like that and I love having those conversations with them. Unfortunately, not everybody wants to talk publicly mm -hmm. um, about some of their wounds that they made their work. Fortunately, I can tell those stories. I just protect the innocent sort of thing. I just, you know, kind of change it up a little bit, but to get the general message yeah. out, that's the way that I like to story tell it. But those are the ones that I like to have. Those are the ones that have had the most positive impact on me. Um, and I'm sure you can see it because they get more views. Obviously, you know, people have more positive comments or they can, you know, feedback based on how I responded to the guest. Uh, but for the most part, I don't have people on that I don't like. I mean, uh, I've had people say, you know, you should have this person on or have that person on. Well, I'd love to have a conversation with Joe Rogan, but he doesn't know me. Like I'm invisible to him right. sort of thing, right? right. Um, but there's other names that people have dropped and it's like, no, I, you know, if I'm not interested in their life or their day or what they do, then why would I want to have a conversation with them? I'd, I'd rather have a conversation with you, Curtis, or Bobby, or somebody else you know, within the inner circle that's a total unknown that has something interesting to say um, than, than to just have like a familiar face on. Like People always say, get this guy in your channel, get that guy in your channel, or when are you going to have a collab with this guy? And it's like, 
if I haven't, it's because I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A, a new channel that I, that I found, uh, George Gammon, he does like economics, um, at a super basic level, but he said, I was watching something. He said the same thing today. He's like, I'll take the suggestions, but he yeah. said, I selfishly just want to talk to people that I think are interesting. Yeah. Like I'm at that point in my life that I only want to talk to, like, I'm only going to spend time talking to people that I think are interesting or offer some useful feedback. Plus I like people that aren't mainstream. Um, I mean, I've, I've tried to get a couple people on that have large YouTube followings, um, that won't work with me because of who I am. I had this one guy, Curtis, dude's got a million um, subscribers on his channel. He does basically car-related content. I've been following him for the last five or six years, like his stuff. Um, I talked to him about doing a podcast like um, when I was down in L.A., but our schedules didn't line up for his podcast. And then I invited him on, and then he got the autoresponder um, because I have an autoresponder in my basic uh, Gmail account for entrepreneurs and cars. I just never bothered to turn it off. It's just on all the time. And the autoresponder offended him. He was like, this is really, really harsh. I'm like, if that's going to fucking offend you, dude, you like, we can't have a conversation. So I guess you just kind of opted yourself out, but I'm not mainstream, right? Like I'm not politically correct. Yeah. I just cut right to the point. Yeah. That, you know, that, that makes me think of, you know, doing, just doing what you enjoy or only interviewing or contacting people you enjoy. It was, yeah. it, it was, it was the same way with the, doing the YouTube channels for me, man. Cause remember, remember at 21 con, I was fired up and I was like, dude, I got a message. I got something to say. But shortly after that, I sort of took it on as, as like an obligation and I put some stuff out there, but until I just removed that and I was like, let's just have some fun. That's when I started doing like daily three a day and, and weekly stuff. Yeah. And I don't know if it just felt like an obligation and that's why I didn't do it, but that, that the motivation was definitely there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. Oh, just quick super chat here from Jerry. Thanks for that, brother. You're always so generous. Thank you. And while you're pulling up the next question, I'm going to throw your YouTube channel in the chat. So if you guys want to follow uh, Curtis, he just launched a YouTube channel. He's down in Puerto Rico. Uh, American guy with some interesting uh, insight and stories. Minimal viable product. Yeah. Yeah, check it out. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll add as we go. Thank you. Um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, another one from Paul. So, so let's let's take it back to when you were 15 and you're like, I know I'm going to be rich mm -hmm. in the future down the road. From there, what were what were some of the, the first mentors that you I don't, I don't know if you started reading right away or something like that? And what did you learn from, from the first mentors? Um, you know what? If I, I had the the folder here, but I, uh, for self-care, it was Charles Atlas. My dad gave me this, um, mail order thing that he got when he was a teenager. It was all like dynamic tensions, doing pushups that had boxing strikes and jujitsu and stuff like that. Um, so for self-care, that was my first one. And then I kind of started spending some time into like the, the muscle media magazines and stuff like that. Yeah. But as far as, um, success icons and entrepreneurs, um, Ryan Tracy, Bob Proctor. I remember I had this audio tape. Uh, my dad gave me a Bob Proctor that I used to listen to a lot when I was 19, 20. I listened to it a lot at nighttime because um, I kind of fell asleep to it. It was about an hour, hour and a half long uh, tape. And he would talk about things like how your mind's eye would you know, perceive things and 
how you could kind of lead your, you know, like lead yourself to that destination by um, seeing yourself there, basically having that mental image. Um, Bob Proctor, Richard Branson, probably his biography, Donald Trump's biography. I know a lot of people hate him, but I don't really care. Uh, yeah, mostly the the business icons at the time. I read a lot of Richard Branson too. Hey, and, uh, do we got uh, we got to wrap up here, or do we got more time? Uh, we usually do ninety minutes, so we got another thirty minutes. Let me grab okay, the cool. super chat here while you look for the next question. Uh, Wait for two seconds. Yeah, part two. He says, "Any U.S. states or European countries you would consider retiring and settling down for guys planning down the line, based on what you see today? What criteria trends would you be looking?" Um, I. Th- for me personally, I'd probably look for a tax haven for sure, 100%. So wherever there's little to no taxes uh, would be one of the prerequisites. Warmer climate, uh, preferably close to uh, the sea and or and perhaps mountains. Um, I like the outdoors uh, a ton. So those would be the main things for me. Uh, planning set it down based on what you see today, criteria trends. As far as criteria trends go, it shouldn't matter as far as where you're looking because ideally you could live anywhere today. I mean, we're all connected now with this thing called the internet on a phone. So it shouldn't matter where you live. I don't think that that's particularly significant. You should go where you're treated well by laws and the government. So that's the first thing. Uh, And then you take care take a look at your other priorities. I mean, if you're younger, maybe you really care about the uh, chicas. If that, if that doesn't matter to you after a while, then you probably want to look for cost of living, you know, what, what infrastructure, who's all there. You got to take a look at your own priorities. But I mean, for me, um, it's more about where I'm treated well by the state and the tax system would probably be the number one thing. You still there, Curtis, or did you step away? Nope. I'm here. You're back. Okay, cool. Yeah, and, and uh, just to piggyback on that, there there obviously are a few that you wouldn't even consider. I, I think you know Venezuela, anything where they're you know they're in total default and, and mm. hyperinflation. Um, but then also don't make that decision without you spending some time there first. You know, like we were talking about Thailand earlier, it, it's mm. just a fool's errand to you know just get up and and plan to retire in Thailand without ever having gone there at least a handful of times beforehand so you know that you like it you know what you like yeah um, i should have even done that you know even though i'm down in puerto rico i, I definitely could have used uh, a couple more trips prior to you know just getting up and going still glad i did but uh there's definitely some headaches i could have avoided in the in the process mm. um let's see any where'd that go any so in times of resilience so starting once all this started, is there any individual skills that just became more important than they than they were prior to to coronavirus? Everything. Um, independence, man. I think that people are. You know what scares me about this whole situation right now is the ease with with which people believe and follow what the state and the media tells them. Like all that this situation has proven to me is the reality of how stupid and subscribe to state media 
manipulation people really are. Mm-hmm. We know coronavirus kills some people, but the response to it, like shutting down the economy virtually and sending people checks uh, with, I mean, they haven't announced when we're going to restart anything here anyway. So um, it's pretty fucking scary to me that, um, I mean, it almost feels like they're like they're trying to reel you back. Like, what are they trying to distract us from is what I'm wondering, yeah. right? Like, what is this whole maneuver trying to distract us from, right? Um, But independence from the state for me would be a big one. Like, I think that, you know, as far as where you source your food, fuel, um, electricity, you know, stuff like that. Um, I've been looking at real estate more, um, a little more rural from where I am right now. See if I can get some acreage with a source of clean water. Um, You know, I can make it self-sufficient because if you got to rely on somebody for something, like you're you're always going to be somebody or something's bitch, right? It can manipulate you. Like there's a lot of people out there right now that are legitimately waiting for their next check to come in the mail. They don't know if they're going to get called back to work. They're not working. They're just waiting for the next check to come in the mail. And... um, I don't know what that would be like. I mean, fortunately, I don't need to ask the government for a check, but um, independence from that would be what I would be aiming for. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, as soon as all this started, I I messaged one of my uh, real estate mentors. I mean, basically the guy who got me into it. And I just said a a snap comparison of of where I was with the last crisis to to now. It's not a, a, a... big distance but just because of those a few small moves i made in the last 10 years this the feeling of security that i have and and just peace knowing that that i'm able to get through that 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 alone is is well worth the 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 pain that it took yeah Um, anything of any value is going to come come at a cost it's going to come at a pain right like Becoming red pill aware comes at a cost for most guys. It comes at the cost of trauma. It comes at the cost of a one-itis. It comes at the cost of divorce rape. It comes at something, right? Yep. Anything worthwhile comes at a cost, 100%. Yeah. If, uh, oh, here's an interesting one. If you were, say, if you were graduating high school this year, or say you just graduated high school, hmm. what would you do first? Like with the, to just the current? With the knowledge that I have today? Yeah, knowledge you have today and where oh, where we sit in the world today. Yeah. Shit, man, I'd be a weapon. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't live in Canada, that's for sure. Um, I'd go to where I would be treated better by the state with very low tax rates to non-existent tax rates, and I'd set up something online. Um, wouldn't let any woman uh, close to me for at least 10 years, like for my 20s minimum, and focus on me and my thing and building something and doing exactly what I want when I want. I just couldn't say it better. Um, here we go. Uh, another one from Paul. Challenges, and I don't have much more specifics on this, but it was mm-hmm. challenges moving from employee to business owner. Well, it's a big change because as a, because as an employee, you're a cog in a wheel, right? And as a business owner, you do everything. I remember for the first for you know few years, I was the 
I was the president and CEO, according to my business cards, but I was also the cleaning lady. You know, I scrubbed yeah. the toilets. Um, uh, I think for Paul, because I think it's um, our good friend Chad, and he's a military guy, so he's so he's a problem solver. Um, mm -hmm. But I think for most guys, moving from salaried employee to entrepreneur is going to mean that that you're going to have to get really good at problem solving and improvising. Um, and being smart with where you allocate your time. A lot of guys, like a lot of guys, when they work for a company, will do a lot of mindless, non-revenue production tasks. Yeah. Um, and I don't think a lot of those people are going to get hired back after the situation's over. By the way, but I mentioned that earlier. But um, there's a lot of things that business owners end up doing that cost them their business and a whole lot of money that are not revenue producing. Um, there's so many guys that I coach that are in early startup phase, phases, you know, very, very short period of time within six months. And it's like, you know, I'm doing this, that, and the other thing. Da, da, da. I'm like, cool. How much did you make last month? Well, nothing yet. Well, why not? <laughs> well, I didn't ask any customers for any money, basically, is their response. So why are you doing all this other horse shit for the last six months, right? You know, the biggest, the biggest mistake that I see guys doing when they transition from working from a corporate environment to working for themselves is focusing on what matters, which is, the whole point of a business is to return a profit to its shareholders. And guess who the who the primary shareholder is when you run a business? It's fucking you. So get smart about what you're doing and make and make sure that business is putting money in the business bank account so you can pay yourself. Let's see here. Okay. Um, sort of back to the resilience thing. Where where does where does freedom or liberty or the just the attitude of just let me live my life or does that stand in importance to you and, and what's your long-term plan to, to maximize freedom i know you're just talking about yeah i'm all about maximum freedom um i don't like i want as little state involvement in my life as possible um if i could have the state not in my life whatsoever not charge any taxes that would be ideal um They've, of course, got to generate some tax revenue, and I'm, and I'm more than happy to pay for it. But the way they use it right now is is it's just like you're a slave. Like the way that we live today, a lot of people won't, won't see it this way because they're still plugged in. But when you see other areas of life and what you do, you as a high-income earning dude are treated like tax cattle. You're, you're doing all the work, and they're – stealing your money from you and giving it to people that are not doing work and there's nothing you can do about it like it is the it is the biggest shit test of all time i've said feminism is a big shit test but this is the biggest shit test of all time because you literally have to just bend bend over every day and realize that you're living in their world you don't have autonomy you don't have freedom you don't have, like you can't say no i'm not going to pay my taxes right you don't pay your taxes they're going to screw yep. you right you can't say yep. um no, I feel like driving my car up to 250 kilometers an hour when I want, when I feel like it. No, there's rules on the road, right? You know, the, the speed limit says that if you want to break the rule, then there's a consequence to pay, right? So, um, yeah, there's, we don't really live in a very free world today. I mean, dude, you can't even say shit. You can't even say things without <sighs> yeah. offending people. I say things. And people get so offended, they try to get me banned off platforms or try to get me fired. And it's like, I'm pretty anti-fragile. I mean, you can get me banned off, off whatever, but you can't get me fired. I got like eight or nine different sources of income, dude. It's, it's not happening. And I say pretty much what I want when I want, but 
people still get so offended. It rubs like political correctness to me. We don't have freedom of speech. You know, no. they say that you've got freedom. Of, like if I don't address somebody by the right gender pronoun here in Canada, I could be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. So what do I choose to do? I just don't interact with people that need gender pronoun announcements. Right. You know, they, they just choose to opt out of my life based on, you know, their insistence of, of using certain, you know, pronouns, you know, for example. So, um, I don't see a lot of, um, freedom because you don't have freedoms, especially with your, uh, financial policies, but, uh, yeah, I don't have a socialist state with a, a chip in my, you know, like implanted in my wrist, giving me social credits when I'm deserving of them yet. But that's right. where we're heading, fellas, right. if you keep voting for liberalism. Did you ever read uh, Harry Brown, How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World? No. Okay. Great, great book right, right along this topic. He, um, I mean, he's got a huge story, but um, wrote this book in the 70s. Ray Khan, um, Ray Khan's read this too and, and highly recommends it. Um, that's sort of one of the points we connected on at the, at the conference. But um, ended up being like a libertarian candidate, and, and basically that's what it is: is, is the different things, the mm-hmm. different philosophies and and tactics that he's done to eliminate that that type of government control. As much the, as the problem with like a libertarian government is it's never going to happen because it, like it's it's um, government and libertarianism don't really go together. So to say libertarian government doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, we're always going to be governed by the state because there's too many people that like. The state's gotten society to the point where society relies on the state and it's so big, it's never going to go away now. There's yeah. so many people that rely on government assistance and handouts and programs. It is impossible to make a libertarian government work. It's just never going to happen. So, um, yeah, that's just my take on it anyway. It, yeah, it, well, it's the it's the old debate of, you know, how things should be, but how things actually are. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah, should yeah. be on a gold standard because it's a sound financial principle, but we just aren't. And we have to act yeah. because we aren't, you know? Yeah. Like we should be using Bitcoin now, but we're not. Right. Right. Um, let's see. What is Rolo like in real life? Uh, well, you've met him. He's pretty much the same. Yeah. He's yeah. not much different. I mean, uh, to be honest with you, he's, he's as real as it gets, man. Like who, like who you see is who he is in person. That's it's for anyone who watches his videos. I mean, he, right away, as soon as he gets on, he's he's starting to look at things from the Rolo angle. You know how he goes deep, and you're exactly right. That's you know the the brief times that I did visit with him, it was it was that was Rolo. Always, I don't know, just seeing of how an interperson, how anything interpersonal works between people. Hmm. Uh, interesting yeah he's a smart dude he's 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 very attentive um he sucks with making choices with uh men and in business he's great with understanding women (laughs) (laughs) and he'll acknowledge that so i'm not saying anything that hasn't been said before yeah um what do you fear most um not much really um what do i fear falling i would i would never skydive or bungee jump i think that's retarded um what do I fear? Not much, to be honest with you, man. Um, Get it? Like so we'll, losing my health would would probably be like the main thing, right? Like like not sure. be like by the time you get to 
your mid forties, like you've seen a couple of friends die. They've had a heart attack. Um, you know, you know, you know, quite a few people that have died, you know, family members, relatives, friends, and stuff like that. Um, so for most people like health is, uh, it's not the greatest priority. And you can tell because something like 43% of North America is clinically obese. Um, and that's not a healthy way to live. I don't, I don't care how much fat acceptance, Tess Holiday pasting her fat ass on the front cover of Cosmopolitan you're going to do. But the truth of reality is, is it's not healthy. And um, a lot of that's within your control. 100%. Um, Here's one. Did did you have any type of like mental debate before doing your first like red pill themed video? Or were you just like, I'm talking about this now? And you just start talking about it. Um, you know what the first one was? And I don't even think I was red pilled then, but somebody said, um, do a video on the kind of women that you should avoid dating. And I was just like yeah. at the point where I was taught and that video did really well, man. I remember it got like a hundred thousand views in the first month. And I was normally getting like a thousand views if I was lucky at the time. Um, and I was just like, yeah, you know what? I'm getting tired of these women driving me crazy. And I got something to say about that. So you know, I picked the top three characteristics that I thought were worth mentioning and women lost their shit over it <laughs> and dudes loved it. Um, did I, did I have any planning about, towards that? Not even cause I hadn't even read Rollo's book by that time. Yeah. I think it was more of a, like, did you know that you were starting to cross a line? I guess. Oh yeah. I I knew that I was starting to cross the line when people would comment on the videos that hadn't previously commented and they were all ad hom attacks. Um, you know, they really got worked up about something that I was saying. It's like, all right. Uh, the bomber only gets flack when it's over the target. So I'm clearly doing something right here. Like I'm on target here a hundred percent. Yeah. So all that was was just assurance that I was going in the right direction. But but it's not the greatest long-term strategy because on YouTube it's um it's more of a PG friendly I'm not even going to say PG13 like it's even more of like a G sort of rated platform. Um yeah. I mean I try to swear as little as possible when I make videos and I try not to specifically talk about um things in depth when it comes to, uh, you know, the dynamics between men and women. Um, I leave the more detailed <laughs> commentary on that for our private community videos. You've seen yeah. those. <laughs> um, but yeah. All right. I think we got one left. I, 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 I did right. not think we would go through the list so well. Um, but from Throw it at me. We'll see if there's any in the chat before we go, but yeah. If you could change one thing about your past, what would it be? If I could change one thing about my past. Man, there's so many. There's a lot. Made a lot of mistakes in my life, I'll tell you that. Um, do, do you... Let me I mean, let me just run down a list that seems really obvious to me. So things about my past that I would change. I would not bring my best friend into my business. Um, twice, actually. Two different best friends. Um, I would 
I would pay attention to my intuition a lot more when it came to women and business. Um, marriage, bad idea in the Western world, especially when the state controls the exit strategy. Um, dating single moms, big no, no, never do that again. Um, nothing on a long-term basis. You know, you want to spin them as plates, go for it. But yeah, um, those would be the main ones that stand out for me. I mean, there's at least three or four there. Do, do you think you could have gotten the lesson without the, without the, the mistake? Um, yes and no, you don't, I don't think that when somebody tells you something, it's the same as you experiencing it. Sure. Um, it's great to learn from other people's mistakes. Unfortunately, there's some mistakes that you have to make yourself. And I think for the most part, guys need to make some really stupid mistakes when it comes to life and choices as a man. Hopefully it doesn't completely derail you or send you off in the wrong direction that you can't recover from. But um, yeah, like we've always made mistakes, man. Like, you know, sapiens have been on the planet for 26 million years. It's, um, you know, it's as a result of us being very malleable and adaptable. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's a really interesting thing when you understand our Batman origin story, story as a species, I think. Um, I got a super I, chat here. Let me just hit on this real, real quick before you go to the next thought. Uh, what video got you on track to a hundred to 200,000 subs? Um, I think, I think if I go to, well, here, I'll throw it up on the screen. It shouldn't be too hard for me to pop this up real quick. Videos and popular uploads. There we go. And share screen. So this one here got 1.6 million views. That one, that was totally the biggest one that blew up. But all of it's around women for some reason. These ones, you know, five secrets women don't want to tell you how to shit test them. The truth about divorce. This is the one that kind of kind of got picked up in the algorithms. It was this one and then my own personal story about dating a single mom. Um, that 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 really pushed it up to that to that area. But um, YouTube's a, a tough place to get recognized today because they're not they're not particularly friendly to these sorts of conversations. Um, they're pretty hostile, in fact. So I wish I could say say more than that, but um, you just have to keep doing your thing and thing, and you have to be relentless. I mean, you have to understand that you're publishing your content on a platform that's great for getting discovered when it works properly. Yeah. Let me uh, hit this super here. He says, "Do you think motorcycles are worth the risk?" I did a video in the last two uh, months, maybe the last month or so on why I said every man should own a motorcycle. So yes, I think they're worth the risk, but watch that video. Um, it's got a picture of me on my uh, bike as a thumbnail. So check that one out. Okay, let's, um, it's something interesting around that. So I, I'm of the same ilk. I agree that every man should have a bike, but for me, I am I am very grateful that I didn't get one until like my late 20s. Yeah, and was more into cruisers at that point versus I knew if I got one early, I would have got a rocket and, and who knows you know, what I would have done on that. So I was 19 when I got my motorcycle license and my first motorcycle was a 
Suzuki Katana 600, which yeah. which was, I guess, categorized at that time as a crotch rocket. I remember the yeah. first time I opened the throttle, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that wasn't even that fast. I mean, I was on some way faster bikes than that. But um, you just, like, when you're 19, you've got the hand-eye coordination of a ninja. The thing about when you're 40, 50, or 60 is you don't. And when you're young, that's when you're going to ride sport bikes anyway because your body can tolerate being contorted in a tight um, you know, condition for long periods of time at high speeds with wind blasting over your body. Um, my, I would not change anything about my past riding motorcycles. I loved it. It was, it was one of the best times of my life was hanging out with my friends at the coffee shop on a a Friday or Saturday night at 11 o'clock and you get a sandwich and you go racing till like three or four o'clock in the morning with, you know, 30 or 40 other hooligans out running cops. You're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. It was, it was amazing. Nice. Um, any more uh, super chats? Um, no, I think I got them all and we're coming up on 90 minutes. So did we get through all the questions? We got through all the questions. Yeah. And a couple bonus. All right. So, um, yeah, we got the one and that one. Yeah, I got them all. So let's do a quick, uh, wind down. Let me do a quick shout out to, uh, men's community stuff. So Curtis is in the 1%. There's a lot of questions that came from, um, that post where he came up with the idea of, um, interviewing me for the plane to win series. So, you know what, instead of me pitching it, what would you say your biggest benefit to the 1% is, Curtis? Uh, to, to being in and, and joining, it's, I'd say at this, at this stage, it's still, at the beginning, it's the bouncing of ideas and, and posting stuff and getting feedback on stuff. But, but now, and, and I even told this to you privately, now it's, it's what keeps me in now is, is all the other guys and, and, and sort of guys where, I just feel committed to them. And, and this, you know, this is great for, for Coop. Cause you know, I, I can't, I won't leave because of all the other guys that are in there. And then that's the only way I, I can explain it because I've, I've met so many great men and, and, and I don't know if guys know this, but I don't know who, who else out there has gone and met other guys in the group, but I've met at least five or six guys on my travels intentionally, wherever I go, trying to reach out. And some of them have failed. You know, there's guys who aren't in the group anymore, just, people who end up being weird, mm-hmm. but, but it's that's that aspect. I've watched these guys grow. I've watched guys like Chuck grow, Jamie over in the UK. Uh, there, there's so many guys who have come and gone. That's what it is, man. I feel like I play a, a valuable part in their life and they definitely have it in mine. And yeah. at the beginning, it served its purpose, bouncing ideas off each other, getting that knowledge, you know, called sort of that noob phase. And the group is great for that, but, but what it's, you just can't put a value on what it has become. Um, to me at least hanging out this long thanks man yeah there's tons of perks there so i posted the link if you want to check that out um this video explains how exactly it works and just real quick shout out to uh grondike soap scott's the uh channel sponsor um linked in the top comment or the top um pinned comment there's a bunch of links there and you can grab some uh tactical soap pheromone infused it's got some beard oil there uh, check out with my coupon code you get 10 percent off so that is that. So um, I'm going to do another plane to win in two weeks. And unless, where did my phone go? Here it is. Let me just check to make sure I got the confirmation 
from my guests because you're going to like this one. This one will be fun. Actually, you know what? I'm going to leave it as a surprise. Yeah, it's confirmed. Sounds good. Um, so on the 30th will be the next plane to win. Make sure uh, you're subscribed. People have told me they've been unsubscribed from the channel. So uh, make sure that's on. You get notified of when we go live because it's always better to watch live. You can contribute and ask questions. So the next one you're not going to want to miss in two weeks. It goes way back to the very origin of the channel and what kind of like transitioned me through the red pill to where I am today. Um, it'll be a really cool chat. Curtis, man, thanks for um, thanks for putting this together and collecting the questions. Yeah, man, it was fun. Definitely. And that was a good time to chat. Yeah, don't uh, go anywhere. I'm going to end the broadcast and we'll see you guys in the next one. Peace out.